Welcome to the Riverdale Writers Room, a fan-made podcast where two girlfriends compete head-to-head to predict the series finale of Riverdale before it airs. Together, we will embark on a three-phase journey wherein we'll rewatch the series, write our own version of season seven, and then compare our own creations to the real deal. Is Riverdale truly unpredictably campy, or can we successfully hack into the psyche of the writers? Join us as we try to conjure the spirits within the real Riverdale writer's room. There is no single way to tell a story. You're to write your own version of the ending. In whatever style you choose. Best story wins. Challenge accepted. Welcome to the Riverdale Writers Room podcast. Hello. I'm Katie. I'm Chantal. And we are coming at you today after having just watched Skip, Hop, and Thump, Chapter 119, Season 7, Episode 2 of Riverdale. What an episode it was. (laughs) You could say that again. It was simultaneously exactly what I thought it would be and none of the things I expected. Yeah. So when I was writing, I feel like, I, I don't know, I was under a little bit of the influence of Miss Mary Jane. And a familiar story on this podcast. <laughs> it's almost like a recurring habit. <laughs> um, but anyway, I really felt like the Holy Spirit of Riverdale was flowing through me as I was writing. And I do think it got a fair amount predicted, just in uh, things were a little twisted. Also, not as dark of an episode ending as I was expecting. I don't know. But um, so (laughs) without further ado, let's get right into it. Let's do it. So what do we open up with? Jughead narration, omniscient in past tense. In past tense. In past tense. Oh, I thought he was in present tense speak speak, and he was saying like superheroes are out and horror crime comics are in. Are, not like were. He ended it somewhere with like, that's how it was back in those times. Mm. Like he was reflecting on the past. Okay, I just definitely missed that. Um, and we'll be rewatching it again tomorrow. Do I get a point? Sure. Yay. So Pep Comics stole his idea, theoretically. Um, and so he's going to pay them a visit. It's so funny that his friend group in Now That He's Forgotten is Dilton, Ben, and Ethel. That's kind of like his classic friend group, I think. Really? But how are he and Archie friends then? They're always kind of like barely friends. Oh. They're like friends, but like Archie's always spending more time with the girls. Weird. Okay. Anyway, as we predicted, um, Cheryl is the head of the entertainment committee. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. I have something to say about Jughead. Oh, please say. First of all, I have written here that <laughs> um, about his performance... Cole Sprouse, WTF, was that dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) I put, uh, he's so bad as 50s. 
I also had something written here about how none of his sweaters look like they fit him. Yeah, like what is the like costume department doing to him right now? They're accentuating his like middle aged belly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what kind of rude of them. <laughs> his sweaters look so thick. They do, and uncomfortable. They look itchy. Yeah, I've never seen a sweater look so itchy on and, TV, and he looks uncomfortable in them. Yeah. And I'm uncomfortable looking at him in them. <laughs> it's a flop altogether. <laughs> While everyone else's outfits, though, are such a sleigh. Every single one of Arte's outfits, I'm like, even down to the pants, those look vintage, you know? Mm-hmm. All of Betty's outfits? So good. So good. Even Veronica styled really well. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the past, they've done her dirty, like business casual Veronica season one. They The costume department did veronica dirty seasons one through five only season six (laughs) did she get a decent wardrobe yeah and that continued into season seven which she deserves (laughs) yeah they were styling the pearls so weirdly they were kind of like styling her around the pearls Mm -hmm. like the pearls were like a very obvious metaphor that they just kept like hitting us over the head with and designing around that choice yeah It was, like, too inspired by Blair from Gossip Girl. Yes, except for no headbands. She's wearing headbands now. You're right. So Cheryl is the head of the entertainment committee, um, which I think is the same as the events committee. um, So I think I should get one point. Okay. Um, I also said that she was in charge of doing the, the sock hop. Okay. I think you get that. Okay. Did you see her little xylophone? No, that's so cute. Kind it, of a glee moment. Yes, exactly a glee moment. You think it was a reference? I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I liked it. I think that's cute if it was a reference. After her announcement, Veronica, she's immediately approached by Archie, which I think I should get a point by him asking her in the early part of the episode. I knew he was going to ask her right away. He was going to be the first one. Only if I get a point for her making them compete. Obviously, you get a point for them making for her making them compete. But I think okay. it's obvious that he was the first one to ask her. And I okay. made that. Okay. I need that point. I need to make a deal with you sometime. OK, fair enough. What happens next? Next. Uh, Veronica calls Archie daddy-o. Oh, I thought that was significant. She called him daddy-o? She called him daddy-o. I know she called him Archiekins, which I think might have been the first time. At least the first time that I would have noted. But Daddy-O as well? Mm-hmm. We're hitting wow. both. Daddy is not even here, and we're still finding a way to say it. The phrase must be uttered. <laughs> it's the, a ver- the writers demand it. It's a Veronica law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, Kevin being in a B-grade barbershop quartet. Why didn't we predict that Kevin would perform? Kevin's always performing. You're right. I think we just have such a hatred for Kevin because he's such a fucked up, awful character and slander on the queer community um, that it just was not in our minds to give him a plot. I agree. I think I did not see because I did not wish to see. Yes. (laughs) I was closed off to the Riverdale spirit when it came to him having hobbies i guess <laughs> i don't know i don't want i don't want him to perform 
<laughs> he's already performing his sexuality. It's got to stop there. You know what, though? Fangs wasn't that good either. I put that he kind of ate. Really? Yeah. I didn't like him. Okay, we'll get to him. We're okay. jumping the gun here. Oh, you're right. Um, right. <laughs> so the Shoney scene. Tasteful, delicious, giving the Shoney stands a meal. Um, lesbians won this episode they really did (laughs) they really fucking did um that was a great moment every single moment throughout the episode with shoni was just like chef's kiss Mm -hmm. and then jughead goes to pep comics i didn't think that they would be like an actual comic studio in riverdale Mm -hmm. because riverdale such a small town it has nothing why would they have a comic studio one of the biggest ones Seems a little bit too coincidental. And it's in the FBI office. So, Well, it is too coincidental because it's the brand that predates Archie Comics. Mm. It's the one where the Black Hood and the Comet. And those were Pep Comics? That w- Those were all Pep Comics. Oh, interesting. Okay, and then are we going to talk about how the challenge that the comic guy gave Jughead in order to fight for a job. Like his job application basically was like create a comic about zombies. Um, yeah. Do I get that bingo? No, not yet. No, that's totally afterlife with Archie. I don't know that it is. We, we don't see any of the images that Ethel drew. We don't. We do. We see the zombies. But not, they're not the same. I'll give it a half point for now (laughs) as a placeholder. I really think you're going to get that point, but I don't think it's happened to its fullest potential yet. Mm. I'll give you a placeholder point. Okay. But I don't, I don't know that it should, it should come off the bingo just yet. Okay. It was a reference to afterlife with Archie. What was your bingo? It was for an afterlife with Archie reference. Okay, I feel like this was more of like an implication of Afterlife with Archie than <laughs> a reference. You just said it was a reference. It was a reference of what could be Afterlife with Archie, but it wasn't like a reference to explicitly Afterlife with Archie. Ugh, I should have just put zombies then, Jesus. <laughs> okay, and you didn't. <laughs> I will remember this night. <laughs> Like I said, I think you should get a point as a placeholder. I don't want your placeholder point. I think it's going to happen more thoroughly than this. I don't know that it will. Okay, fine. Cross it off your stupid bingo. No, I don't don't like that tone, so I'll just keep it open for now. God, just cross it off. No, I'm not going to. I'm I'm admitting I was wrong. (laughs) Just take the win. No. No. Anyway. I even wrote down. Maybe I didn't write. Oh, seven. Oh, yeah. It just put seven page zombie story. Um, but I was thinking zombies. <laughs> so I feel like that's like an afterlife with Archie thing. I guess you can take it. No, it's okay. Whatever. Uh, the next one. Barchi dance lessons. Mm-hmm. You get that point. Just one. Yeah, because that was in a trailer, and I should have put that together, too. Okay, fair enough. I thought it was funny that KJ was pretending like he can't dance. I like, know, as if we don't know if Fifi is queen. 
we see his TikToks. He is surprisingly limber. He can isolate movement in those hips. We've seen it. (laughs) More than your typical man. So I have to give him credit for that. Yeah. Oh, and then Alice walks in on the Barchi dance. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that this episode of parents walking in on different sex students in their bedrooms with the doors closed. You're right. Barchi, Ethelhead. That's it? No, there was one other. It was... I had it in my brain before you said Ethelhead because it happens between Barchi and Ethelhead, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway... The Barchis had a lot to eat this episode. They really did. I think Barchi would have kissed this episode had Alice not interrupted the exact moment that she did. Maybe. I definitely think that they're holding back a little bit. Yeah. Um, Do you think they're holding back because of what was implied in that article you sent me about uh, like that interview with Lily? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Just that like, they're trying out all the ships this mm-hmm. season. It's like the ultimate interchange. Yeah. <laughs> Every possible combination. And it's not really about like who ends up with each other. It's more about the fun of it. Yeah. Which is really just pulling around. Yeah. Honoring the characters in the comics. Mm-hmm. Then we see Ethelhead together for the first time by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. In Jughead's... um train car and we get the scene where he's eating a can of beans he's just raw dogging the beans um i think i should get a point for the scene being included in this episode i'll allow it thank you do i get a half a point for saying verbally that this was going to be an ethelhead episode i think you can just get a point hell yeah because it was very Ethelhead. Like, we're getting the start of the narrative there. Like, he's clueless, obviously. More like his asexual character in the comics. But Ethel's into him. She's digging the jughead. Which is kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> his ill-fitting sweaters. <laughs> Turn her on. They deserve each other. It's great. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> they do deserve each other. That was That was brutal. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you say something so mean about the characters on the show. (laughs) I'm sorry. They just both have their annoying moments. They do. And you know what? Saying that they deserve each other feels worse than saying Kangs deserve each other. Yeah. (laughs) Because that is just like, yeah. (laughs) Tony does not deserve that. Speaking of Tony this episode, she was so much more rebellious in this season than I would have predicted. Yeah, I would I didn't know what they would do for her, but I love what they're doing. Like beatnik Tony who does not give a shit about anything. You know what it's giving? What? It's giving that one beatnik from a goofy movie. <laughs> <laughs> the sexy one <laughs> yeah the one that does all the snaps and the mm-hmm. slam poetry does she have like red hair i think so yeah, yeah. or brown hair or yeah with she like a little, little beret. beret yeah yeah <laughs> even down to like i feel like she wore a turtleneck mm-hmm. with her like serpent jacket i don't know if she did but if she did so what <laughs> i think that's excellent 
you know who else wore a turtleneck? Who? <laughs> Jughead. <laughs> we already talked about his sweaters. <laughs> the he poor looked, man. He looked like he could have been wearing two turtlenecks. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Oh, Cheryl going down the line of parked cars on a neat line. That was so interesting. I thought like, you know, going to Lover's Lane or whatever was a solitary activity. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? I feel like it. Sh- I mean, I don't know. I've never done that. I think probably. I think this was just the campiness of Riverdale. That they're all like next that. to each other. I feel like there's at least usually other cars around. Maybe not like you can glance over and see the next car over, you know? I think they're normally more spaced out than that at the very least. Mm-hmm. Oh, are we going to talk about the Ketty conversation? Obviously, I think we should both get a point for um, Betty being like, um, you haven't asked me to the dance yet. Are you planning on that? Yeah. <laughs> you haven't even pinned me yet. What are you doing? Are we going to go to the dance or not? And him just being like, um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with me anyway. <laughs> I had no idea what pinning was and I thought for a minute they were like I want to fuck like I want you to pin me like oh my god like pin me down (laughs) yeah maybe um it's implied (laughs) although Alice made it seem like it's more like a promise ring yeah or like a symbol that you're taken in in a relationship yeah why do only the women wear those well it's the 50s Traditionally, women also are the ones who wear engagement rings. Men don't usually have them. Really? Yeah, because they propose to the woman and then the woman doesn't give them an engagement ring normally. And then they get wedding rings. Oh. Me educating you on straight marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Straight marriage has so many weird um, little intricacies (laughs) that I'm just not privy to. (laughs) <laughs> it's not in the cards for me <laughs> anyway so kevin bad bf we get that note that point mm-hmm. yeah fuck him for that one mm-hmm. kevin walking in on clay playing the piano mm-hmm. that was a nice moment i thought it was a little funny though because i noticed that they started on like opposite ends of the room and they would each say one sentence and they would both take one step closer. <laughs> it was very like a slow drawn to each other kind of scene. They were flirting like very hardcore. Mm-hmm. Especially later at the sock hop. Oh my God. The like, I, I don't think I was really expecting how overt the queerness would be in public. You I know? thought they would be more subtle. I thought so too. But, like, Tony basically asking Cheryl on a date, like, in front of Midge and Fangs, like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> the gay panic that ensued. She's like, Amy, we're both girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin calling Betty a sex maniac. <laughs> I knew that she would be, like, feeling insecure about that. But it wasn't really as explored as heavily as I thought. Yeah, he really gaslit her there. Mm-hmm. And then immediately was, like, not giving Clay anything to work with. (laughs) He was very, like, closed off, which makes sense. It's the 50s, but Clay seems a lot more open. 
He does. And yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Do you think Kangs will happen in this in this universe? Kevin and Fangs. I think they're done, though. You think? I think so. I think they have too much beef with the whole trying to steal our son away mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I think Kevin yeah. ruined whatever potential relationship with the custody battles. And I know that they don't remember any of that, but I feel like the emotional memory of whatever was between us is gone is still there. Yeah. That's the emotional memory, probably. He did feel resentful of things. Mm-hmm. He's like some like God's gift to Earth or something like that. Yeah. So what about Veronica? Next, she um, tells Archie that he has to compete for her hand at the dance. Mm-hmm. Um, tells him like he needs to be good at dancing, conversation, etc. He should come by the Pembroke for a little dinner chat. Um, and she says something. I forgot what she said, but she was like flirty to him. And Archie went like, <sighs> like he like growled. <laughs> it was like gross. <laughs> but he's so good at playing this character in the 50s. It was very well executed. KJ Apa. Was that right before Betty turned around and was like, what the fuck was that yeah. reaction from Archie? Uh-huh. She's like, how did you do that? <laughs> and... Yeah, and then they have a moment. Was it just me or was there like some sexual tension in the Veronica conversation? Oh, there definitely was. Veronica was kind of flirty. She was like, oh, you're like a real Marilyn. You could have any guy you wanted. Mm -hmm. She's like, why aren't you more confident? You're clearly a catch. Like, (laughs) there's no other boy you want to bring to this dance. What about a girl? (laughs) (laughs) girls and boys exactly she learned that from james dean yeah she stole it from him when she cut his brakes (laughs) (laughs) and sucked his blood dry (laughs) so ticket sales for the sock hop are not doing well and cheryl pulls stilton doily and demands to know why he reveals that the serpents are going to egg anybody who tries to go into the dance um as a protest for not having fangs be the performer that's so funny. Never in a million years would I have written that. Yeah, same. Tony just being like, we're going to egg them. That's like so childish. I love it. I know. <laughs> it's funny because it, it is like a very childish thing to do, but they are also children. They're teenagers. That is the type of shit that they would do. It's stupid. It's dumb, but it's funny. <laughs> That's true. That's brilliant writing. It is. I'm learning so much from this process. <laughs> um, <laughs> then Archie is like looking for a suit. His old one is like way too small. He outgrew it a lot. And so Mary helps him into one of Fred's old suits. And it's a really cute moment between Archie and Mary. And then Mary reveals that Fred was like a poet and wrote her all kinds of poems and really wooed her with that. Um, so Archie decides he's going to write a poem for Veronica. He goes over to Betty's and asks her opinion on it. Benny's moved. She says he has a poet's soul. What did you make of all of that? That was so cute. And how did I not see that coming? I know. It's like an extension of his songwriting. Yeah. He said before, I think in the pilot, that 
he was writing down poems and then he realized that they weren't poems but song lyrics exactly so maybe he has like a revival of that experience or maybe this is his emotional memory of being a songwriter Mm -hmm. songwriting from the heart (laughs) 101 (laughs) his little book (laughs) lessons from his library book yeah oh that's cute so after this betty is feeling very confused she goes to her mom while they're doing the dishes and is like i feel these weird stirrings when i'm with archie like fluttering in my stomach and alice is like well that's because kevin doesn't appreciate you enough (laughs) but give him a chance it's weird that she's so pro kevin it is weird that she's so pro kevin but maybe it's like she senses that he's not threatening yeah maybe she thinks for whatever reason she might think he's less bad than archie yeah she she might not be pro kevin but she might be anti-archie is what it seems like I think so. (laughs) It is interesting. So next, Cheryl goes to the dark room to visit Tony. Mm -hmm. And I must confess something. What? I have been zooming in and editing the photo that was released of Tony carrying the flyer where some people have said that it says Slam Poetry Night, Uh like open mic on it. I've been zooming in to see if I could see anything else on there. Uh-huh. And I did see the dark room, but I thought maybe I was misreading it. Okay. So you kind of knew that that was going to be the white worm. I did kind of. Yeah. So it was interesting to see this confirmation. Okay. So there will be a slam poetry event there. Okay. At some point. I have a feeling that's going to be when we get the... No, I'm not going to say it. Um, oh, the sh- the Shoney gaze. Perhaps. <gasps> oh, she's probably totally going to do the goofy movie thing. Just like sexy yeah. slam poetry. Yeah, I think she's going to do something with the um with the slam poetry goofy movie coffee shop girly. I love that. I know. That's one of my favorite tropes. <laughs> Is it like a coffee shop? Did I get that right? Yeah, it's like a coffee shop like space i don't know like an open mic kind of free thinking space i don't know i love it Mm -hmm. so then archie goes to veronica's house at the pembroke he has flowers and chocolates and his poem and he looks really cute in his dad's suit with the green shirt i wrote i feel like kj is my son (laughs) oh (laughs) in that moment he was (laughs) was all of our son um god he's so cute he's so cute in this like he's just a wholesome little simple boy like mary calls him a simple boy and she's right she is right but it's not a bad thing it's no sweet. it's wholesome he's so sweet that whole thing made me so sad that like julian was just being such a dick everyone was swirling around their little like rum drinks or whatever and archie's just chugging his ice water julian talking about the art tours around europe and Mm -hmm. just being a dick yeah and archie's like well i like norman rockwell (laughs) and i was like of course you do of course you do the all-american uh painter yeah (laughs) very Mm. americana very very archie at least he likes a painter. I know. It made me sad how, like, 
felt out he felt yeah zoning out of the conversation staring at the painting yeah and then at the end like when julian finally like pushes him and he's like i'll fucking kill you right now he's like i'll spill his blue blood all over your expensive things veronica like serial killer jeans archie is coming through (laughs) stop (laughs) i think they're planting the seed because even the next day he said that he wanted to rip his head off that's such violent language I think serial killer genes are dead. I cannot hear that information <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> no, please, please never say that to me again. <laughs> it, that doesn't. I think they have to be brought back up. It's not like Sheriff Mineta's like corpse. This is real. <laughs> Stop. Sheriff Mineta's corpse is so real. Not as real as this. <laughs> the serial killer genes led to sheriff Manetta having a body double no because <laughs> no i, I will not accept it it's all interconnected mm. anyway kind of in between those shots of like archie at veronica's um was an ethel head moment um she's asking him to the sock hop and he's like yeah for kicks right like as friends and she's just like oh um yeah i guess and then um i forgot ethel's last name so i just put mrs ethel mugs (laughs) i know i remember later in the episode but (laughs) i didn't then (laughs) so i put mrs ethel kicks jughead out apparently mr ethel is still alive in this universe (laughs) every single time i remind you what her last name is you laugh (laughs) it's so funny (laughs) mugs why is it jugs Ethel mugs like jugs. I don't know. I think it's silly. Silly oh silly. And I noticed that she like put her hands on this like book. Was that Jughead's work? I don't know. I thought maybe it was like Ethel's diary. Mm. Like maybe she had been writing things about Jughead in there. And was like hiding it. Yeah. Or she was worried her mom had been reading it. Oh. And that's why she stormed in. It was suspicious. Oh. I wouldn't put it past Ethel to be writing some like weird, creepy smut. She's got some like drawings in there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that would make more sense why the principal and Dr. Werther's reacted the way that they did about her drawings. Mm -hmm. Saying that they were like perverse and like wrong or something. But anyway, after the... Pembroke debacle Veronica goes to see Archie but she finds Mary at the door while Archie's at the grocery store and that's when she calls him a simple boy but a good boy um and that if she if Veronica hurts Archie they're gonna have a problem she really put Veronica in her place I feel like Veronica was like well when your parents are actors (laughs) like grow up you little (laughs) snob yeah that was so shitty of her to say and i think she knew it was shitty as she was saying it she did she immediately realized what she did yeah i really loved mary and archie's relationship in this episode yeah me too it's so sweet i hope we see more of it i hope so too i think we will it's nice to have like a parent child relationship again that is like good the way that fred and archie was um it feels like that it feels like fred and archie but like mary instead 
Archie's the only person that ever gets to have good parents. Yeah, and he has both good parents. Most people don't even have one good parent. No wonder he's so good. It comes from being a child of good people. Yeah. Who don't abuse you. (laughs) And don't have murderous instincts. Oh, Alice has a heart-to-heart with Kevin, which I thought was really interesting. Um, She serves him some tea and then tells Kevin that, like, Betty just has certain expectations. And Kevin expresses his reluctance to fulfill those expectations because he thinks Betty is asking for a lot. And Alice is like, well, all you have to do is pin her. That's all she wants. I thought it was kind of weird that she was pretty insistent about it. And on top of being persistent about Kevin pinning her, she insisted that he pinned her with the same pin that Hal pinned Alice with. Yeah, that's a bad omen from the Black Hood number one. (laughs) It really is. Uh, Number two, do you remember what Alice said about the pin? That it like stopped all her sexual desires between her and Hal in high school? She said it like satiated desires that they both had. Yeah, like somehow it just like stopped. Yeah. Once they were pinned. But I don't believe that. I don't believe it either. I thought maybe it was like trying to hint at why Polly isn't here. Oh. Like maybe they didn't have sex in high school, but I think Alice is lying. Polly wasn't the one. You're right. It was Charles. It was Charles. (gasps) So I think at least Charles is out there. Where is he hiding? He's hiding somewhere. Uh, But I feel like that also alluded to something a little darker. I don't know. Something about the way that she said that it like satisfied like the cravings they both had. I was like, you and Hal sharing an urge cannot be sexual. (laughs) It made me think of like their murderous urge because we find (laughs) out, we found out like in one of the last seasons that she does have serial killer genes and how we know is just fucked up. Um, even though he doesn't have the genes, maybe it represented to them something different and something darker and about murder. So I don't know. Wow. Do with that what you will. I'm just all about the murderous (laughs) genes. Oh, then Tony calls Dilton four eyes and bullies him into buying five sock hop tickets. Five? What's Dilton going to do with those? He doesn't even have five friends. Yes, he does. He has Ben Button, himself, Ethel, Jughead, Hot Dog. They're going to bring the dog to the sock hop. They're (laughs) going to put little socks on the little dog. I don't know who else. Those are all the nerds. A spare in case he loses one. (laughs) A spare. Yeah, that was really funny. I love that Tony is just kind of like this intimidating, scary person. But she's so powerful and so chill about it. But also so chaotic. (laughs) I love her. She's Um, kind of like how Cheryl has been up to now. Yeah. Cheryl's a lot more like meek. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily derogatory, but like you can tell that she's still very under like the influence of her mom, probably of of the expectations of the Blossom name. She mm-hmm. hasn't kind of like thrown that to the wind yet. And then she, I thought it was so cute. Cheryl said, can you dig it to Tony? Like, I love when they throw in just like old phrases like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm learning a lot about the 50s. Me too. 
the pinning culture the f- all these phrases taking off your shoes i had no idea that a sock hop was literally like you're in your socks the, it must have been sticky in there i am sure it was those are high school kids anyway so dr doily was a teacher at whose class um ethel was caught drawing in and then she was taken to dr prince or to principal featherhead and dr werther's office and they gave her detention for her disturbing creepy images for a week i should have known the child psychologist would be in this episode yeah why didn't i write anything for him well you can write something for him next episode if it's sex education you're right and i will i certainly will too (laughs) so then uh varchi talk she's trying to like make things up to him um but she decides that he's she's gonna go stag to the sock hop archie's like i don't get you like what's the point of all of this then what was what was the purpose of making us all compete if you're not even going to pick someone um and then she just calls it a game i think she's implying a lot of self-preservation here like protecting herself from any more hurt feelings than aside from what her parents give her so then she immediately goes and tells betty the same news betty asks if she got the poem veronica feels bad because she didn't know about it and then she tells Betty that anyone who is going to go as his date is very lucky. And Betty goes up to Archie in this slow, dramatic walk with all this determination. And she judged her hair before. And this was my 50s fantasy of the episode. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I didn't expect to give it to a Barchi scene, especially because like no Noah's fence, <laughs> but the people online who just ship either Varchi or Barchi or Jughead or whatever, whichever ship, the shippers online are so intense and scary that I don't want to give them an ounce. Like, <laughs> I decided for my overall season that no one was going to end up in an endgame because I'm so afraid of <laughs> the shippers. Um, but yeah, so I'm surprised I gave it to a Barchi moment. But I just thought it was such a good shot of Betty, like, trying to take agency and be like be brave and I thought that was so cute and wholesome and I just love that she was trying to be confident you know and then Kevin interrupts her so anyway what do you have to say about that I wrote Betty slow-mo approaches Archie record scratch Kevin interrupts I think there was a literal record scratch. I think you're right I think there was a record scratch like the third or fourth record scratch in the show I love when they do that. It feels very like breaking the fourth wall, kind of. They use it such a trope. They use it so sparingly that it's a real treat when it does happen. And this is when Kevin asks Betty to go steady, offers her a pin, finally asks her to the sock hop. Mm -hmm. Literally the day of, right? I think so, yeah. He also says he loves her. Mm -hmm. Um. He can't even bring himself to, like, lift up her shirt a little bit to put the pin on her. So she has to do it herself. Yeah, he's too afraid. He's too afraid of, like, being impolite. Like, Betty wants that. She wants you to pin her. She doesn't want to pin herself. Anyway, <laughs> then um, 
we see Ethel and Jughead in the Pep Comics office at the same time that we're seeing um, Dr. Werther's and Principal Featherhead. They're talking about how Ethel didn't show up for detention and they think that she's um, being evil for whatever reason and so they're going to call her parents. Um, Meanwhile, Ethel is being praised by the comic book guy for her drawings he calls him like creepy or something and he says it's the highest honor um or he calls him disturbing i think i don't know he says something weird and so she gets the job but then obviously things are not good at home because the principal's gonna call her family and then who makes his big entrance but smithers smithers with your informant my informant with a poem for veronica he was going through her trash he was that is a little sus it's a little informant like would you say a little bit yeah could i get half a point here it's an implied informant so i'll give you a half okay he is in this episode and it's not every day that he's in one that's true he's a rare character Ethel's parents yell at her because of the school calling them mm-hmm. about her missing detention, her disturbing comics. She's like, I'm going to the sock hop with Jughead. And they're like, hell you are. And then we leave them until the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. We move on to Fang singing Tutti Fruity. And Fang singing Tutti Fruity was my song of the episode. Song of the episode. It was also my song of the episode. Song of the episode. Wow. I loved it. it I I wrote Fangs comes out on stage, starts singing Tutti Fruity and is honestly eating it up. (laughs) (laughs) I I wrote Fangs singing is lacking. What the hell? I was impressed. It was not what I expected. I think I expected him to sound different. I expected him to sound worse, I think. Okay. I thought he was going to do like some weird impression of like a 50s crooner voice, but he ended up sounding like how he would on a modern song, I feel like, but in a kind of like Rocky Elvis-y way. Okay. Perhaps I'm casting too much judgment. I had low expectations because the men on the show usually do not give when it comes to a musical number. The women really carry it. They yeah. absolutely do. Um, Lily Reinhardt, especially. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then this is where, what are we going to call Clay and Kevin? We can't call them Clevin? Clavin? Clavin? We could do Clavin. Clavin has a moment here where Clay asks Kevin for a private concert. Yeah, what was that about? He specifically called Fangs a looker and then saw the look on Kevin's face, which was obviously bewilderment that a guy would compliment um, another guy on his appearance, which Clay took as jealousy and was like, oh, you are too, I'm sure. Actually, you're great. Like, um, Kevin was probably thinking like, that's not what (laughs) he was like that's what i was thinking but why did you know that's what i was thinking (laughs) that shouldn't have been what was implied because it's just weird for guys to look at each other kevin discovering other gay people existing yeah he's not alone in his thoughts Mm -hmm. 
And then we look over to the Shoney dance, mm-hmm. which Featherhead is watching with judgment. That's weird. Isn't it weird? Because I was thinking, how was he able to clock that fast? These are just two girls dancing to a rock song. At a distance from each other. At a distance from each other. And I feel like sometimes I need to like bang people over the head with the fact that we are girlfriends in Mm -hmm. public. People are very quick to be like, oh, you're cousins, you're friends, you're... Even if we're like holding hands, they're like... Are you guys like cousins, like good buddies? Like, no, we're in love with each other in a gay way. People find it so hard to recognize lesbians. I find it nearly impossible to believe this. I know. That makes me think that he has to know something. So I'm very suspicious about him and um, Dr. Werther's. Like they were also very quick to punish Ethel for like her drawings which we don't know how bad they were because we didn't see them we saw kind of some of them why do you keep saying we have we don't see them maybe i didn't see them we we didn't get like a good look we maybe caught a glimpse i got like a good glimpse though okay well if you can find it or i guess i'll just rewatch the episode tomorrow when it's on the cw app they're like the the zombie drawings they're like pretty grotesque okay well let me look at it if i see it and it really does give afterlife with archie you should just cross it off okay enough of this battle i feel (laughs) i feel bad for like saying no what are you talking about i'm talking about shoni and featherhead right now okay i'm i'm back to the zombies (laughs) anyway you jumped ahead a little bit okay sorry you jumped straight to the dance you glossed over the fact that from the back of the room tony and cheryl were standing there together talking about how great fangs was how much people loved him tony was like you see i told you he was good i told you people would show up for him and they have like a little moment and it's cute and i predicted that that exactly would happen and then she would ask her to go dance i did also put that she would see jason asking her to come dance and then she would bring cheryl julian would ask tony to come dance And then that she would also bring Cheryl onto the dance floor. So maybe I don't get the maximum amount of points. But I did say that the rest was going to happen. So I feel like that's at least two. Two points? Yes. One point. It didn't happen exactly as you said. I said that they were going to be at the back of the gym (laughs) talking about how successful it turned out. Because of Tony's suggestion and that Cheryl was going to concede the point and then that they were going to go dance. Why is that two points, though? Because it's Shoney. (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay, fine. We'll take the one, though. So anyway, then they go out and dance and then Principal Featherhead watches them and is suspicious of them immediately, which doesn't make sense for the points that you have already made. Exactly. Veronica recites Archie's poem back to him. Veronica invites Archie for a slow dance. And Archie refuses. And he goes and dances with his mommy. Yeah. That was really sweet. That was really sweet. He, like, saw his mom over Veronica's shoulder. And for a second, I thought he was going to see Betty alone and ask her to dance. 
but then it was his mom and i was like oh even better even better that's so cute oh and then veronica was left there alone obviously because archie rejected her which was interesting and then julian approaches and asks veronica to dance and he says you could do worse (laughs) (laughs) is that true i don't think so he's kind of a bully yeah and he's kind of gross it's kind of like a rich douchebag like but i guess that's what she's used to like her parents not liking or i don't know he's kind of fulfilling the role of reggie in season one yeah and then she goes off and dances with him this there everyone's slow dancing we see the couples kevin not being interested in betty etc um tony clay and a bunch of other randos sitting on the bleachers tony drinking liquor out of a paper bag (laughs) i loved that that was she was like just violating the rules in front of everyone (laughs) like totally unbothered such an unbothered queen this episode and while she was doing that cheryl was staring at her absolutely staring eyes full of want yearning that yearning the lesbian experience of yearning is my 50s fantasy (laughs) 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 oh that's a good one Mm -hmm. and then to ruin it principal featherhead comes over and is like Ah, Miss Blossom, not having any lesbian tendencies, are we? <laughs> and she's like, boys should be with boys, and or boys should be with girls, and uh, as God intended. Um, <laughs> I can't even say it, right? <laughs> That's how much you're like, boys should be with boys, and, and girls, girls should, should be, be with girls. <laughs> Correct. It's the logic for me. It's valid logic. (laughs) It only makes sense. It does. That's not what Principal Featherhead believes. Mm -hmm. And Cheryl's like, don't worry. I'm not straying. Which is weird. Like, why does he specifically, like, have his eye on her? I don't know. Because she's the class president? Maybe. Makes me think that maybe he's also on, like, the board of the Sisters of Quiet Mercy or something. And is constantly looking for, like, little, little students he can mooch money out of their parents (laughs) he's got some kind of nefarious ties to the blossoms for sure absolutely to the blossoms possibly to the sisters him and dr werther's are doing something dark and devious Mm -hmm. we'll get to the bottom of it but not before ethel comes (laughs) trolloping into the dance (laughs) in a dress covered in blood a la carrie wow what did you think of that I was honestly a little bit disappointed. Me too. I was really hoping for something big. And not to say that that wasn't nothing. But they had said like in every interview, something dark happens at the end of episode two. Is that the dark thing? I don't know. I thought something dark was going to go on with the blossoms too. I thought Madeline confirmed something there. Hmm. Maybe that's the next episode. Maybe. I don't know how that's going to come up in sex education. I don't know. I feel like 
I was expecting a lot more. Normally when they say something's going to be dark, it's going to be like organ harvesting cults or like a core four's parent being a serial killer and threatening to kill them and their friends. Like that's dark. Ethel maybe getting blood on her shirt from a p- one parent's abuse. I don't think any of them died. Maybe they did. I did put that she's going to kill somebody. Oh, you're right. I mean, maybe she did. So, I mean, that would be good for me if she does. But like, I was expecting more development of the darkness, at least. Maybe Ross stole that plot line from Yellow Jackets. Where? Oh, <laughs> yeah. No spoilers. Yeah. No spoilers. We just started also. so Yeah, it's in the very beginning. It's like episode two, three. But- someone's parents get shot for some reason and it could be something like that it could be we know he loves he loves pop culture ethel could have hurt someone that's true or been near somebody who was hurt yeah even if she didn't do the deed mm-hmm. or maybe she did who knows? on accident who knows who knows overall i loved this episode i really have been enjoying watching they're just like so they're so silly and so cute and little and so innocent yeah Yeah. it's a lot of fun to see them in this era actually yeah i forgot to assign my ko moment but we did talk about it what is your ko moment um my ko moment was when varchi was having a little discussion and she was inviting him to the pembroke and Archie did his growl. K.O. <laughs> Archie's growl was my K.O. moment. We also talked about my K.O. moment. And I'm going to give it to Jughead in that one sweater. K.O. One shot of him in like the office where his like you could see his belly button indent. You knew it was the one in the office. Yeah. <laughs> it, it did knock me out a little bit, to be honest. It looked like it was made out of the thickest yarn. I know. Ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was so surprised that he didn't question the beanie. He didn't think about Ben Justice Ford. Is that what it was? Ben towards justice. Ben towards just like None of that stuck over to episode two. Yeah. Like, did he really forget so much that he let go of the, like, mystery? He was like, whoa, those that's weird. Um, Anyway, I'm going to draw some comics. <laughs> yeah. I feel like maybe that is to be explored. I don't know. I feel like they couldn't. They can't just drop it like that. I have this zombie idea. It's so weird. Anyway. So those are two of the awards. We got the song. Who was your HBIC? Oh, this is hard. It really is, to be honest. But I think I know who mine is. You go then. It came down to two for me. Um, I'll give my runner-up first. Okay. Because I think it was. it's pretty close. My runner-up, despite their lack of screen time, they gave me such a, f- a sense of foreboding every time they were on screen. They were very nefarious, full of implications. My runner-up for HBIC is Principal Featherhead. Mm. But my HBIC winner is none other than Tony. HBIC. 
icy head bitch in chaos. Wow. For all of her chaotic moments, her flagrant attitude, like, like she just does not give a shit. And I think that's HBAC energy. Openly flirting with another woman, drinking at a school dance where there are like dozens of chaperones, threatening to egg students. That's so funny. I'm obsessed. You're absolutely correct. And Tony is my first instinct. Yeah. However, I give it to her last episode. Am oh, I right? Am I just going to have to resist giving it to her every single episode? I really think Vanessa Morgan is like bringing it for Tony this season. So she might be a contender every time. Damn. Should I go with Tony or should I go with my dark horse? Give me your dark horse. And then it, it, Tony can have like, who knows? She might be your HBAC of the season. Okay. Okay. My dark horse is none other than Kevin. HBAC head bitch in chaos. <laughs> Please elaborate on that. Well, he is shamelessly flirting with men. And simultaneously committing to Betty. Like, he knows that he is not into her. Mm -hmm. And yet he's like, all right, I guess I'll pin her. Like, we can go steady. I'll take her to the dance. Yeah. He's kind of being a a shatheed about it. He is, yeah. But you know what? I hate Kevin. And so, therefore, I will give my HBIC to Tony. (laughs) HBIC. Head bitch in chaos. Actually, <laughs> valid. <laughs> Uno reverse. Tony deserves it more. She Kevin does. is being like, he's not really being a head bitch in charge. He's kind of just being a bitch. Maybe Kevin would have gotten my HPIC in the American Psycho musical episode or maybe the Hedwig musical episode. Any of the musical uh-huh. episodes. And yet... In the American Psycho musical episode, Betty stole the show. That's true. I would have given it to Betty over Kevin any day. Or maybe Dr. Curdle Jr. Dr. Curdle Jr. was really good in that. (laughs) (laughs) Can't lie. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this episode? Skip, hop, and thump? Well, not on this episode, but the previews for the next episode, it's looking real campy. Yeah. And I'm here for it. The shot of KJ like in a chair, like surrounded by like an indoor jungle. Yeah. And like the jungle kind of moved like a panel of it did. Right. Yeah. Or the the chair moved back or something. Something the jungle itself moved, but so did the camera or something. I don't know. There was like a cool little trick there. This is like the Citizen Lodge episode where they got all creative with the cinematography all of a sudden. Yeah, that was the first episode where we had that experimental shot of like where the camera is the one getting beat up by Archie, right? I don't know if it was that one. It might have been a different one. Oh. But it was the era of experimental shots. Yeah, I love when they change things up like that. Like, we're so used to having our classic, like, over-the-shoulder, like, just straight-on, like, monologue shots. But when they do something different, oh, it's so fun. It makes it extra campy because they're thinking about, like, an additional layer of, like, the portrayal of the story. 
Exactly. And like Riverdale is normally so complex that most of the scenes need to be dialogue. Yeah. So to do a little flashy shot now and then is like extra extravagant and extra intentional Mm -hmm. because of how much they need to cut it. So I'm hoping to see a lot more of that since our plot has simplified extremely. Yeah, I think we will. And I honestly don't think the plot will stay this simple for very much longer. We'll see. I think we'll get a good like few more episodes, maybe through episode like eight to ten i feel like by the time we get to the 10th episode shit's gonna be so weird you know i feel like it's gonna turn kind of all of a sudden i keep writing in every episode like okay this is the one where it's gonna get weird and then it doesn't i think it will what if i do that every episode what if it stays normal (laughs) what if it stays normal until the pentultimate episode when we fast forward to the future and we get all of the wrap wrapping up in one episode. I hope it doesn't come down to that. I want <laughs> I need at least like five episodes in the future to like give us the resolution to reach the climax and then to resolve the whole show. It can't be done in two episodes. I need five episodes so that the musical can be modern and can therefore be waitress. <laughs> Oh my god. Because that should be around episode 18, 19. So close to the finish line, but not the last one. It would be better for Wicked to take place in like a modern time. But I feel like I still don't know how they're going to approach musicals and like other music, media, and TV shows in this era. Because we already know they're messing with the timelines a little bit with all the Emmett Till stuff. That's true. Although it was only by a couple of weeks that they really... It was a few months. Because Roberto in his interview said a few weeks, so I don't know what his sources are then. Well, mine is Wikipedia. (laughs) And the Wikipedia article said that the trials began in in September because the murder was in August, began in September. I think the verdict was given in like November. And so for it all to happen so rapidly, I don't know. Maybe they're going to try to stick to it, but bend when necessary. One thing I've been thinking about is last episode where Jughead found out that Bailey's Comet is two years away. Do you think it's possible that this season is two years in the 50s? And we're going to do kind of a speed run of junior and senior year? That's possible. I think the writers are at least thinking about that as an option, but I'm sure they could write their way out of it if they don't want to wait that long. Yeah, that's true. But it does seem like things are going to go pretty quickly. Like, why were they shooting a Halloween episode? That seems like the Halloween episode seems like it'll be in the first 10. Maybe even like the first eight episodes. I think Halloween is like confirmed 12 or 13. Really? Yeah. Then they can't be doing that much of a speed round. But is that Halloween next year? Perhaps. Maybe 1955 isn't all that eventful. Although Ethel might suggest otherwise. Or maybe time starts happening faster. Like, I don't know. We we do know that Tabitha is somewhere in the future or not in any timeline trying to untangle all of the universes and timelines. And we know that she has the power to put 
timelines and towns into time bubbles that makes time speed up. So perhaps she can put their timeline in a bubble, make things speed up over the course of two years in the span of like five minutes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if any of that's necessary. I think she put everyone in the 50s. She could just take them out. That's probably what they'll do when they're ready. I don't know. There's a lot to think about, and we still don't have enough information. We're This is episode two, <laughs> and we're saying all of these things. So Yeah, that's true. Shall we wrap this one up? Let's wrap it up. Thanks Thank for listening in. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you. I've also enjoyed doing it. I look forward to next week. Me too. Can't wait to write our next episodes and then to review episode three. Yay. Yay. Special thanks to Ben Chatwin for the iconic intro music. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave us a review and follow us at Riverdale Writers Pod on all social platforms. If you are at all involved with the production of Riverdale or you just want to say hi, email us at RiverdaleWritersPod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. TTFN.